I want to read to you the passage that I was referring to before we get into our notes. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 through 17 of the passage where that song comes from. And it says, when the servant of the man of God got up. This is not in your notes, folks. This doesn't have to do. It has to do with your notes, but it's not in your notes. When the servant of the man of God. Okay. I'll wait till everybody else is done talking. Are we good? Okay. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, he said to Elisha, what will we do now? Don't be afraid, Elisha told them. For there are more on our side than on theirs. And Elisha said, God, open his eyes that he can see. The Lord opened his eyes and on the mountainside were horses and chariots of fire. Okay? Understand something, folks. Thank you, Bob, for putting that. That's perfect. And keep your eyes on the picture. That's fine. But I want you to listen to something. We go through things we go through many times at our own issue. Okay? But that's not the only thing. Even when the enemy comes in, the Bible says, like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard against him. That word standard is what they used to do in military times to show them where their posts were. Matter of fact, there's a place here in Flagstaff where they raised the standard of a military post. That's Flagstaff. That's where we got our name. Okay? And so they raise a standard to show everybody we still have the victory. Okay? The Bible says that God will raise a standard against him. I don't have the passage in front of me, but you can go look it up. Now, a lot of people like to change the, the punctuation in that verse. Uh, the punctuation, most Bible says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I like to think the comma is in the wrong place. I think it's in the place like this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, or excuse me, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Lord raises a standard against him. Because the mountains will be surrounded your life, no matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're dealing with, God's promise is true. There is more for you than against you. Can somebody say amen? amen. Okay. Last week, we concluded part one on this series, The Invisible War. What I want to do tonight, I had somebody ask me the question, are we, Bob, we're still recording these Wednesday nights, right? Because I've had several people asking me, they've been, they've been listening to them, and, they, and uh, I've had a few of them say, Pastor, please don't let them stop. This is really helping uh, our Wednesday night classes. So if you do happen to get way too much information tonight, you can go online to our podcast, and you can listen to it. It's all free. And so if you, uh, you want to uh, listen to it again, you're more than welcome to go do that. But one of the things that was brought to me last week is say, Pastor, you give us so much tremendous information. Will you take a few moments and break down how do we know we have or, and, or not, and, not or, how do we know we have and how do we overcome if we have a spirit of oppression, obsession, suppression, and depression? 
And so I want to take a few moments and talk about that tonight. I've shared very specifically, God's word is clear, completely clear. Now, okay, let me, let me inject this here. Folks, I think we're smart enough here to know that everything you see on the internet is not true. Okay? You know, I, I see, I, gosh, I, I was out reading through stuff today just so I could be per, prepare myself more for tonight. And I was reading Christian blogs that believe Christians can be demon-possessed. Well, folks, I cannot find that in Scripture. I look at the Scriptures they correlate to, but they have nothing to do with what it's talking about. They're talking about a complete different thing. When you're a Christian and you're, you're Im, Im, what's it, embodied, when the, the Spirit of God resides in you, the Holy Spirit resides in you. The Bible says light and darkness cannot abide together. An analogy I love to use all the time is the analogy of a closet, okay? My wife's really good at using this in, in her classes. But if you, oh, Truth Project, uh, yeah, uh, 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 Del Tackett used the analogy. We've used it long before that, but it was really talking, taken really good at, at his thing. And when you have a closet, when you walk into that closet and you close that door, if there's not a light switch inside or if there's not a light for you to pull or even if there is, if you walk inside that closet and you close that door, what do you have? Total darkness. I mean, you might have light squeaking in around the door. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Okay. You never have a closed closet with no light on and find darkness squeaking out under the door. I'll be right, right there, Danny. Okay? It can't squeak out under the But light, if you go in that closet, and your, your eye will pretty soon focus to that place of light. And your light, your eyes will adjust. That's why you can see after you're in darkness for a while, you'll see better than when you first walk out into it. Well, if you go in there, okay, the darkness is in there. The minute you turn the light on, what happens to the darkness? What happens to it? Come, partially? No. I mean, just, just a little tinky bit? Tinky. Tinky. That's what I meant. Okay? You had a question, Danny. Hold on. Christians being harassed by demons? Tortured by them? That's what we're talking about here. Okay? You can be oppressed. You can be suppressed, you can be obsessed, and you can be depressed, which is all the things you're talking about. Tormented, harassed, all these different things. We talked about last week, and I, I actually got a little thing. Could you go leave the, or take the microphone, go into the office. Is it open, honey? That little board I can write on, can I? Okay. Can you go get, there's a whiteboard in the office on a little tripod. And bring me some dry erase markers. Do you know where they're at? They're in one of those rooms too. I want to give this visual to you. Okay. So you turn that light on, immediately every bit of the darkness flees. Well, the Bible says that in us, we're void. We're in darkness. The Bible says without Christ, we are of our father, the devil. Completely engulfed in darkness. 
But the moment we give our life to Christ, what happens? The Bible says light shines in the darkness and exposes all the darkness. And the darkness flees. 1 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ, what is he? A new creature. Okay? And then what's it say? You know, some of the things get passed away, but there's still a whole bunch of stays. Oh, that's not what it says? Some of you are looking at me kind of confused. It doesn't say that only part of it's taken care of. If any man's in Christ, he becomes a new creature. Creature, most of the things are done away. Some of the things are done away. Only the things that God is bigger than is done away. Right. All things are done away. Old things and all things become new. When you paint your house, when you paint a room, when you do something, just because you love the old color so much, do you leave a big old blotch on the wall? Do you? No. You paint it. If you didn't, if you like the old blotch, honey, I don't know what I did with my phone. Oh, that's why it's right in front of me. Ladies, this is a lesson for you to learn. If you ever want to hide something from your husband, just, just put it right in front of him. My phone keeps ringing. Thank you. Okay, so what happens, okay, that, that can allow when we become filled with light? The Bible tells us, and it's very explicit in Job, but it's also in several other places in the Bible, that when you become a Christian, you're here. Can everybody see this okay? Okay, this one's no good. Okay, there you go. That one's no good. try a better one. When you become a Christian, is that one any better? Okay. This is you. Can you see that okay? Kind of, sort of. Let's try this one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can I get some good markers? That, that's, yeah, I don't. Thank you, sweetie. Okay, let's try this one. That's a little better. Okay, that's you. Okay, when you become a Christian, all the darkness that was in you, no, before, before this was your life, darkness, problems, difficulties, ugliness, that was you before you got saved. But the minute you got saved, guess what happened? All that went away. Okay? So now you have you as a Christian. Okay? But something else happens. Before you were saved, you had no recourse. You were just basically plowing through life. Whatever happens, happens. You know, you're, you're bouncing off of rocks, you're bouncing off of walls, you're bouncing off of this, you're bouncing off of that, falling flat on your face, and all these different things. But the minute you get saved, God tells us He does something. He puts a hedge of protection 
about us. You know what that hedge of protection is? The Holy Spirit. Okay? Remember? Greater is he that's within you. This is the new you. Okay? Greater is he that's within you than he that's in this world. But you're still living in this world. Jesus told the disciples, I sent you forth as lambs in the midst of wolves. I'm sending you in the world, but you're not of the world. He said, the world's going to hate you because they hate me. The world's going to despise you, but they're going to love their own. So what happens is now you have you and you have this, this, this ungodly, abstentious world surrounding you. Am I making sense? Okay? So God says, I'm going to put you out there, but I'm going to put a hedge of protection about you. Okay, once again, we can read this very explicitly. Remember when Satan came to God to deal with Job? God is the one, and we're going to talk about that a little bit just as soon as we get into tonight's notes. Uh, he came and talked to God, and God said, have you considered my servant Job? How many would like that if God said, have you considered my servant Shelley? The devil's looking for something to mess with. I wonder. Have you considered my servant, Dale? Well, God, can't you say, you know, Wilford up here? God, can't you consider my servant, Lenore, Josh? Why'd you throw my name in there? I was just doing nothing. I was just living for you, God. You know, kumbaya. But God said, have you considered my servant? And you, you know the whole discourse. If not, we'll get into it in a little while. God said, you can, you can deal with him. Have you considered my servant Job? And what was, Je what was Satan's response? Anybody remember? Thank you, darling. Yeah, just take them all, please. Probably. Okay, Job chapter 1, <clears throat> you can look at the, the, you know, the whole story is recanted in Job chapter 1 and 2. Job's response was in verse 10, have you not put a hedge of protection about him and everything he has? God says when you give your life to Christ, when you decide to live for God, you now have a hedge of protection about you. And everything you have is under God's protection. That's why, that's why Satan had to go to God in the very first place. And then we know this, how the story unfolds, that he came back and forth and back and forth. But something happens. The Bible tells us these words in the book of James, Give no place to the devil. What's God saying? What's he saying when he tells us to give no place to the devil? It's not a trick question. Come on, everybody. Let's get involved here. Okay. Don't let the devil be a part of anything you're doing. Okay. What's, a, what's another place? What's another? How else can we do this? 
I'm sorry? Never acknowledge the devil? Okay. Why don't we, why don't we have somebody read this? Okay. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me start with the, let me look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Who would like to read it? Just Don't just start reading. Just lift your hand up. Okay? Okay, I got one hand all the way in the front. Start with the 24th verse, Wilford. His name's not Wilford. It's, <laughs> it's William. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, start Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Okay? So look what he starts out with. Go ahead. And to put on the new, the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay. He said, you put on the new self, created in God in righteousness and true holiness. But then he says something here. He starts, he starts outlining how we get ourselves into oppression, obsession, suppression, and depression. Okay? And once again, ladies and gentlemen, I can go all the way from Genesis to Revelation. We don't have enough weeks in the year to discuss all of this. Okay? But listen to what he says. When you become a new creation in Christ, this is the problem that I have with the people that say, well, you know, and it's, it's true. God did everything. You are saved by grace through faith. But there is an understanding. We are saved by grace. It's nothing you can do of yourself. It's everything that God has already done. But we live in that grace through faith. We get saved through faith. We live in that grace through faith. That not of ourselves is the gift of God. It's God's power, Ephesians 3.20, exceeding abundantly above anything we can ask or think. We are able to do according to his power that works in us. Okay? You don't have any of this stuff in your notes, so write stuff down, folks. Okay? So he tells us, now you're a new creature. What do you start doing? Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must be must put off falsehood and speak truth. What version are you reading? NIV. Yeah, give, give, a, give a, a new King James. Jack, you want that? You don't? Okay. Okay. Give, give, him, give Michael the... Oh. Therefore, listen to what it says here. Wherefore, putting away lying... Stop. You got to learn how to be honest. Fabricating, stretching the truth. You know, before I got saved, I was in the I was uh, I was a I was in the nightclub. I was a nightclub business. I was an entertainer. I was a singer. I was a musician, so on and so forth. Well, when I got saved and God called me out of that, I said, "Okay, God, what do I do? I've been doing this for years and years and years. I don't know how to do anything else. I don't have any other skills. You know, I knew how to drive a truck. I, I thought, well, I'll go on the road and become a truck driver. I can still drive a truck. Okay." Uh, I can still do all kinds of stuff, but I didn't have any expertise. And so I had a friend of mine in the church that I got saved in that owned a car lot. And he said, I'll teach you how to sell cars. Okay. I didn't know the car people were were kind of the lowest on the crop. If you're a car person here, don't take offense, please. Okay. When I first got saved or when I first started pastoring, I went to a seminar that said the top five professionals that are the least liked in the world. Lawyers, car salespeople, and pastors were all in the top five. Wow. Folks, this is really sad. But anyway, 
So I got into the car business, became very successful. People said, well, how could you be a Christian and be a car salesman? I said, you know, being honest is pretty easy if you want to. I was just honest with people. If they were looking at a lemon, I told them, you don't want that car. It's a piece of junk. Let's go look at this one. Okay? Oh, you don't want to buy, you don't want to buy that car. They want way too much for it. Well, how much should I offer for it? And I would tell them how much to offer. It would take out of my bottom line. But at least I went to bed that night and slept. Okay? You could be honest. Okay? Put away lying is the first thing he says. Speak the truth. How many ever got irritated at somebody and kind of uh, stretched the truth a little bit about them? Well, they're all that and half a bag of chips. They're not. Speak the truth with his neighbor. What's to say next there, Michael? For we are members one of another. Folks, we are members one of another. Can I tell you something? Even though they might not be a Christian, they're still part of the same human race Jesus died for. Okay? What's to say after that, Michael? And this is where we start getting into a problem that we're going to talk 26. about. 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Say that again. Be ye angry and sin not. Okay. What's God saying? What's the word of God telling us? Don't be angry. Now, that's not what it's saying. You can be angry, but don't commit a sin. Sounds good, but that's not what it's saying. That's okay. Okay. What's it saying? Be angry and sin not. Folks, it's okay to get upset about things that aren't going right. But take it to God and leave it alone. You can't change it. All that you can do is say, God, this is your deal. You change it or change me. You can't change them. The minute you try to change them, you become bitter. You become angry. You become resentful. You become hateful. You become condescending. You become everything imaginable. And what do we do with this hedge of protection? We give place to the devil. We have put an easement to where now the devil can attack you. Why? You're a new creature. God said, don't do this. Why? Who's the father of lies? The devil. Okay. So if we're lying, who are we worshiping him? Showing who we belong to. If we're angry, if we're bitter, that's what caused Esau to fall. Okay? Give no place. So when you give place to the devil, guess what you've done? You have said, God, I got it in control. And God says, okay, devil, what do you want to do? Oh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't worry. You're still, you still belong to God. You say, well, God, pastor, how the how's that happen? Okay? All you're doing is you're playing in territory you shouldn't be playing in. God will still forgive. God will still heal. God will still help. But we open the door for the enemy to come in and shoot fiery darts that used to be repelled. Am I making sense? Amen. It doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't, 
doesn't stop tormenting. He'll never stop tormenting the church. We'll talk about that, okay? But the reality, when you don't stop lying, when you don't start stop uh, being angry, when you, you know, my wife and I, when we have disagreements, folks, I know this surprises you, but we have disagreements, okay? Just little ones. I will never go to bed without asking her to forgive me. I will never. Well, you say, Pastor, what about her? That's between her and God. She does. Okay? But the reality, thank you, carry those two away, please. Thank you. They always know when I talk too much, it gets cold and I don't drink it. So, thank you. Paul, thank you. Okay? I never go to bed without asking my wife to forgive me. Oh, what if it was her fault? I got into it. I'm guilty. Don't look at me like that. You wives missed a great place to say amen. Okay? Folks, the minute you enter in to the obstruction or whatever it's called, you're just as guilty as the person that did it. This is good preaching, Pastor. This is I'm glad I came tonight. Okay. So do not let the sun. I'll take it from here, Michael. You don't have to read it anymore. Okay? Look what it says here. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. This was the devil's place out here. Now he's got a way to come in there. Who opened the door? Well, they did it. Really? Let's see. What did Jesus say? Oh, yeah. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Don't worry about your notes yet, Pastor Philemon. We haven't got to them. Those are, unless that's last week's, we're still getting through last week's. Okay? Uh, the new ones that we haven't got to yet. Okay? We're giving place to the devil. And it says, don't do that. He says, let him that stole steal no more, but let him labor, working with his hands, that which is good that he may have to give to them that need. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, that, uh, but that which is good and useful for edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit who has sealed you unto the day of redemption. When you grieve him, guess what? He has no ability. Well, no, I'm not saying he has no ability. According to God's law, when you and I choose not to do what God says, we give an easement. We give an opportunity for the enemy to come back. And the Holy Spirit says, okay, go ahead. Well, you say, Pastor, how bad can it really get? Well, when you get into the book of Job, you know why Job dealt with all the stuff he did? Because he got self-righteous. He got caught up in, in how good he was and how blessed he was and how this and how that. That's why we used the scripture last week in in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, Take heed, he who think he stand, lest he fall. Okay? You can never get into your own righteousness. He says, but put on a new man created in God's righteousness and true holiness. How many are with me today? Okay. So, Pastor, how do I deal with this? I want to talk to you just quickly about oppression, obsession, suppression, and depression. What oppression is. And I, wrote, I, I tried to get the notes done to, to hand them out to you. I don't have them done for you tonight, but I'm going to try to get them to you that maybe you can um, I'll get a copy of them. Okay? How do you deal with the spirit of oppression? Literally, 
Let me, let me get into this so I can help us to understand what all these things are. A Christian cannot be possessed, but a Christian can be oppressed, suppressed, depressed, and, and obsessed. Okay? Uh, let me get the right things opened up here. Okay, there's that. There's that. Okay. The word oppression is a, if I can put it in real simple Tim Masters terms, it is a harsh domination. It's like you're under a weight that you cannot get out from under. Uh, The Bible says that God's yoke is easy. God's burden is light. Now listen to me. We live in a world. We will have a yoke. Okay? A yoke means somebody has to control your life. As a Christian, listen to me. The very first thing you got to do is realize you're not in control of your life. Your ultimate destiny is your control. But once you say, God, I want you to have my destiny, then you're allowing God to put his yoke upon you. When you, if you know anything about farming, if you know anything about animals, about, about teams of oxen and horses and mules and stuff like that, you understand the yoke is placed there to tie an agreeable team together or a single horse or animal that can be manipulated and motivated and moved into any way that is pleasing to its owner. Well, the Bible says very clearly, God's pleasure is to do good for you. So he's not going to steer you harshly. But what oppression is, is a harsh domination. It's where the enemy comes in and says, you will do this. You will do that. And because you've opened the door for him, guess who has the control? So you will have a yoke on your life. But the Bible says, my yoke is easy. Okay? Let me give you the scripture. That way you guys can have it. It's in Matthew. It's uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so second thing is you will have a yoke. You will have somebody controlling your life. The Bible says, don't you know who you yield yourself servants to obey? That's whose servant you are. Who's yielding? You are. It's your life. That's whose servant you are. Okay? You will have a burden. We all have a burden. Jesus carried a burden. It was called the cross. Okay? The cross was all the sins of mankind. All the difficulties of mankind. Jesus carried them all. Are you with me? It's quiet in here. Okay, so over Matthew 16, what happens when you get saved? It says, take up your cross and follow Christ. Now you have a cross to bear. I have a cross to bear. It's called a burden. Okay, it's not the sins of the world. He carried those. Folks, we can't bear his cross. We can't bear his cross. We did a skit, and I probably shouldn't tell you because I've, I've wanted to do it here in our church. Maybe we will. It's not something I did. It's 
they've done it many, many times. But we would, I would preach a, a sermon on, on, uh, on uh, carrying the cross. And we would have people in the church just randomly stand up and start yelling, I, I can't carry this cross anymore. I can't carry it anymore. And they'd walk up with a little one-foot-sized cross or 18-inch-sized cross. And they'd come up and they'd throw it in the altar. And then they lay down. They'd, they'd kneel down. They'd start weeping. Person after person after person. I can't carry this anymore. And then towards the end of the sermon, Jesus would come walking in through the back door carrying a full-size cross. Blood coming down his body. A thorn crown on his head. And he'd start walking up the altar. He said, that's okay. I'll carry it for you. And he picked up everyone's cross and carried his own as well and started picking up everyone at the altar. Folks, you get saved. The hardest life you'll ever live is a Christian life. But he said, don't worry. I put a hedge of protection about you. You will not carry anything you are not able to carry. As long as you trust me, as long as you yield to me, you will not carry anything. You will not. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Okay? There is no temptation that has come upon you. That's verse 12. Except that everybody goes through. But God said, I won't let you go through anything you can't handle. But I'll make everything escapable. Listen to me. That you might be able to bear up under it. You and I will carry a burden. But an oppression is something that you've allowed. The enemy has influence, has power. I wrote this down because I didn't want to miss anything. So please, just listen to me. Okay? The enemy can have influence and power over the Christian through oppression. Scripture declares that the devil seeks whom he may devour. We find that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Okay? Write this down. This is not in your notes, folks. I'm talking about last week. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, The enemy walks about as a roaring lion. He is not a lion. He always imitates Christ. He tries to pervert Christ. If you have questions, lift your hand. I'll, I'll call on you, okay? I want, your, I want your interaction. I want your participation, okay? He walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. How does he get permission to devour somebody? We've opened it. We've opened it. Michael. Sounds like we need to be perfect. Well, I'm, well, I'm not perfect. Okay. And this is over my head right yep. now. That's, that's good. I'm glad it's over your head because I'm going to get it into your heart. Okay. okay. Has nothing to do with perfect. Who is the one that carried the cross? Okay. But you and I will deal with stuff in life. Okay. That's why you got to write down 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. You got to write these things down. Every one of us deal through stuff. But he said, I won't let you go through anything you can't handle. The minute, the minute you try to do something contrary, anger, 
bitterness, resentment. Folks, I don't care who's done what. The minute you get mad at them and you become angry with them, you become resentful for them, you have opened the door for the enemy to come in and say, it's fine. You think you're all that in a bag of chips? I'll show you. Okay. We open the door. He walks about seeking whom he may devour. God isn't going to give him permission to devour you. Who gives him permission? We do. Okay? Why? By not abiding by God's word. Not about perfection. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Okay? It's not about perfection. Okay? So he walks about uh, doing that. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that we are not ignorant of how the enemy operates. How do I overcome this oppression? You pay attention to what's going on. What is happening in my life? I feel this burden on me. I feel this weight. It is beating me. God, that's not from you. Where is it coming from? You say, well, I don't know where is it coming from. Sure you do. All you got to do is ask. And I guarantee every one of us will be taken right back to that place. This is what opened the door. This is what opened the door. Yes, Mike? Okay. This is what opened the door. It might be, you know, lots of stuff. Miss Heather. So if we allow the easement, mm -hmm. does the devil still have to ask God if oh, he yeah. can go in it? Well, you see what this what the devil had to ask. God said, have you considered my servant Job? Job was always there. He was always available. The devil never stops shooting at him. But he has to ask permission, even though we've opened the door, even though we have allowed the easement in there. Now, God says, sure, go check it out. The enemy, what's he asking? How much can I do? And we know the whole story. God got it all the way to the place. He said, you can do anything. You just can't kill him. Look, look at me for a second. Look at me. We have people dying. People die all the time. Okay? This year, I had two of my family members. My mom died at the end of uh, the last day of last year. My little brother died six weeks later. People die. Okay? And I want you to listen to me. The devil can't kill people. Every man and woman and child on this earth has a time clock on their life. Now, this is not fatalism, folks. This is not, oh, what will be, will be. I love Doris Day, and that was a beautiful song, but it's not the Word of God. Okay? Some of you guys, Doris Day, what? Anyway, so, yeah, you're old enough, Michael. You remember. So, anyway, I remember the original movies. I don't remember the reruns. I didn't watch them. Anyway, so... You know, the reality, folks, God holds every life in his hand, even those that reject him. Some are given 30 years to accept him. Some are given 100 years to accept him. But everyone's given the same opportunity.
Okay? You say, well, man, if it's only 30 years and, you know, you know, the one has 100, he's got a lot more opportunities. No, God gives the same amount of opportunities to every single person. Everybody. Our accepting or rejecting is our choice. And when people die, I don't care what kind of way they die. I believe that they're at the end of God's time clock. Okay? You say, Pastor, can you prove that in Scripture? Yeah, the Bible says that you can't add a day to your year, to a day to your life. You can't shorten your life a day. Danny. Yes, you do. Uh, anyway, uh, if, uh, if the Lord doesn't have no use for you no more, he'll just let you go. But uh, as far as I, uh, I can understand... Uh, I don't think he has a day set. A day set that you're going to die. That's kind of a bad way to look at it, Danny. If yeah. God has no use for me anymore. Yeah, that's that's called the world system. Well, Did you know they just passed a law in Iceland? That if they find out that a child has okay, has Down syndrome in the womb, they can determine, they can end that life without anybody's permission. They're not allowing Down syndrome children to be born anymore. In Iceland, they just passed a law. Do you know in Canada, they have passed uh, physician-assisted suicide as a nationwide law, and nobody can do anything about it? Euthanasia, okay? Let's go back to oppression, okay? Yes, Carrie. I want to talk about this, church, because these are things. Can I tell you, all three of these, all four, excuse me, Suppression, depression, oppression, obsession, they're all three the root to the fruit of anxiety that's sweeping the world. You know what anxiety is? The ultimate uh, root of anxiety, utter hopelessness. You feel out of control. You can't do anything about your emotions, about your feelings, about the things that's happening in your life or in life in general. That's the root of anxiety, and it's all caused through this same door that is opened. And Christians are filthy with it. Why? Because we're not trusting Jesus. We're trusting the church. We're trusting the pastor. We're trusting everything but God and his word. Don't get quiet on me. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, Carrie. My question, everything you just said. Okay, my, but don't ask the question. It's girls, already done that. No. no. My children, how are they protected when all they know is, I mean, you know, I'm doing the best I can to teach them, and they come here, they learn so much, and yet they still have anxiety. They're scared of certain things, and how, how, does, how does the hedge of protection... How does all that how, stuff get in there? Yeah. The hedge of protection comes in there through the family. Okay, the husband or the wife. Okay, First Corinthians chapter seven talks about a a un, a married uh, a believing and unbelieving husband and wife. Okay, it says the unbelieving husband is sanctified through the believing wife. Okay, you bring a hedge of protection into that household over those children, but those children have their own eyes. They have their own ears. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. There is a new thing going through the church world, which I'm grateful for. 
I've got to be careful because I might irritate folks. You stop. You need to stop watching this garbage. You want to, You want. You want Hollywood to start making some wholesome movies? Stop watching the garbage they're putting out. Stop subscribing to the movie channels. You know, my wife and I, we have a movie channel in our house. It's called Pure Flicks. Now, folks, listen to me. How does that happen? These kids go to school. These kids listen to some of the most God-forsaken music I've ever heard in my life. Folks, I love music, but there's not much of it out right now. You know, did you ever notice? And I'm not saying that it was any good. Do you ever notice when you go into a supermarket or a store or something like that, they're not playing hip-hop? Well, I'm a, Pastor Pastor Ray and uh, and Jewel after staff meeting. You were there, Pastor Philemon, because you were at home not feeling well. So you missed out on a heck of a lunch. It was great. It was awesome. So we ate for you. Not a problem. But we went to this place. It's called, what's it called? Oregano's. They're playing music from the 30s and 40s. Oh, it was awesome. How does the fear get in there? Folks, I, I've taught this a million times. It's not my teaching only. It, is, it has been in the teaching. It's the Word of God. Satan was the worship leader, the minstrel, the psalmist of heaven. Why do you think music has the power that it has on this earth? There's still a conductor leading it. And if it's not bringing glory to God, it ain't worth listening to. Why the kids get all messed up? What are they exposed to all the time? So when you come home, this is why the Word of God tells us this, Miss Carrie, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it tells us over and over and over, cover them with the Word of God. Pray over them. Every night, my wife and I, every day, my wife and I, we pray for God's protection, a hedge of protection. I pray specifically, God, cleanse our minds, which we're going to get into as you see in your notes. If we got time tonight, I don't know that we're going to. Okay, but the parents sanctify those children. They cover those children. They separate those children to keep them away. Now, when they get to a certain age, it's their baby. But just because they're little doesn't mean that they can't be tormented. Why? Because the fiery darts of the wicked. Let me continue to read here. If you have a question, lift your hand. I will call on you. Okay, uh, 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 Luke chapter 4. Folks, Jesus walking through the wilderness. Jesus. Did I say his name? Jesus. What was Satan doing? He was trying to oppress him. If you be. Another word for oppression is doubt. Well, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can overcome this. Are you a Christian? Is not greater he that's in you than he that's in the world? Yes, Steve. Go ahead. About the armor of God. Yeah. 
just that that's, you, you speak of that a lot, and I think that's the way I see things. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get into that here in, in just a second, okay, in, just in this piece. We're going to go to Ephesians 6, so you can, I got a lot of, folks, I got, so, there's so much scripture. Can I tell you something, folks, and please, 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 you know something? I love all of you. Let me have your Bible, Mike, would you? I get people send me stuff all the time. If it doesn't catch my attention in two, in two sentences, it goes to my trash. I spend my time in this book. I can't afford to spend my time in another book. I read all kinds of stuff. Can I tell you something? You read too much stuff. I, yeah, I learn about the world as much as I need to to take me to this. To find out what's happening in the world according to this. The minute I go contrary, listen to me. I don't care who you are, what you are. You can make every excuse under the sun. You're opening a door for the enemy to come in and try to subvert you and divert you from this. Pastor, you feel passionate. I pastor people. I, get, I got phone calls just today asking me, well, pastor, is it right for me to do this? Is it right for me to do that? Uh, you're calling me why? You know why you're calling me? Because you know it's not right. You just hope I say it's okay. Yeah. Folks, listen to me. You want to clean your head up? Get some of the crap out of your television. Out of your radio. Out of your computer. It's all called an easement. The Holy Spirit wants to protect. But you let the devil wide in. Light and darkness cannot abide together. Can somebody say amen? Okay. You can, there's no silly questions, Michael. I know, but it's me, so... That's, <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. Okay, so my question is, um, if you periodically find yourself throughout the day looking to the heavens and being sincere and asking the Lord for forgiveness, that closes him up? He can't go back in, right? The Holy Spirit closes the yeah, door? Yeah, when, when you repent, you ask the Lord to forgive, Okay. The Bible says he's faithful and just. First Corinthians, or First John, Correct. chapter one, verses Correct. nine and ten. He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. Okay, so he shuts that door off. But we're going to go into this. Okay, listen to what the Word of God says in in, in First John, in First John chapter, First John chapter, First John chapter. It's in the Bible. Okay, yes. No, 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 it's not in your notes. It's in the other notes that I, I was working all afternoon to put together here. Okay? It says, it says, I think it's First John chapter 4. I can't find it. That, oh, no, no, it's First John chapter 5. The child of God does not to continue to sin. Okay? It, it, folks, it's an incongruity for a Christian to sin. 
Okay? That word is just, I don't know why I use that word. It's just a fancy word says it's not normal. Okay, bless you. It's not normal. You're not going to go out and purposely look to do wrong. You're purposely looking to do right. But sometimes in the right, wrong shows up. Why? The enemy never stops, church. He never stops. He's always shooting. That's why the Bible says when that shows up, we can't be ignorant. Well, where did it come from? It just showed up. No, it didn't. The devil's walking about as a roaring Roaring lion, lion. seeking whom he may devour. Can you say amen? Okay, let, let, me, let me finish through this. I got other hands going up. Let me just finish this real quick, okay? Uh, demonic oppression is when a demon is temporarily victorious over a Christian, successfully tempting a Christian to sin or hindering the Christian's ability to serve God in a righteous testimony. That's what oppression and what the devil does is when that happens in your life, he tries to keep you beat down. Well, what's the sense? I'm just going to do it again. What's the sense? Folks, been there, done that. That's why I can write this so readily. If a Christian continues to allow the demonic oppression in his or her life, the oppression can increase to the place to where Satan can get a stronghold. Okay? And I, I can talk about this on another day. But, folks, we are the constitutors of that. We are the ones that give the permission. Christians who allow continuing sin upon themselves open themselves up for greater and greater oppression. That's why the Bible says, be angry and don't sin. Stop lying. Stop cheating. Stop doing all the things that the normal activity of the world is. Okay, confession and repentance is the key that is necessary to overcoming and stepping out of this. Confession and repentance will restore that fellowship and relationship and break the power of the demonic influence over your life. Okay, 1 John 5, 18 tells us that we do not continue in sin. For the Christian, the power for victory over and the freedom from demonic oppression is available through God. Why? First John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. The enemy cannot prevent you from stopping. He cannot make you do wrong. Oh, you know, the, remember, anybody remember Flip Wilson? Yeah. The devil made me do it. <laughs> Folks, the devil can't make you do anything. You do it because you, well, no, no, sin is terrible. Sin is horrible. The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. It means you're going to end up hell with it if you don't stop. That's what it means. It's pleasurable for a season. But if you continue in sin, well, I'm a child of God. If you're a child of God, you're not going to continue in sin. Well, pastor, you know, I I don't have any power over it. Are you stupid or what? Did I say that? (laughs) You got Jesus. You got Jesus. 
I just, I can't control myself. The only way you extinguish the flaming arrows of Satan is you take control. You take authority. That's how you overcome oppression. Okay. So. Question. um, Back. You have a cleaner, honey. Uh, Derek, please. Okay. This is what I struggle with a lot. And um, since we're talking about Satan. God is omnipotent. He knows everything, sees all, knows all. My thing is, why would he create Satan if he knew he was going to be betrayed and Satan would unleash his evil upon the world? I don't understand how he could be the creator of evil because he's a benevolent, loving, caring God. Why would he create such evil? I struggle with that a lot. I believe in God, of course, I know we're not here for just any reason, but I do struggle with that. Okay. So let's ask the obvious question. Did God create evil? God created Lucifer. He gave everybody the choice to do right or wrong. Thank you. Including Satan. Oh, God knew. Okay, so let me ask the obvious question, Derek. Why did he create you? Did he know you were going to mess up? Then why did he make you? Why did he allow you to be born? Okay, so if God knew Satan was going to mess up, why did he create Satan? Why did he create anybody? When he knew everybody's going to mess up. There's only one perfect one. Okay? God made man, and he gave him the free will. If I don't have a free will, if, if you got Pastor Ray and his beautiful wife, Beverly, as awesome and good-looking and dashing and debonair as he is, she still had the choice of whether to fall inexplicably for him. I'm not going to say what she just said. Okay? But the reality, okay, Satan was given the same choice. People, people, I've had them over the years, I've had pastors argue with me. The angels don't have a choice. How did they fall? If they didn't have a choice, how did they fall? Okay? I can only put it real simple, and people say, well, that's just too simple. You can't look at it that simple. I'm sorry, folks, I'm a simple person. How do you have yes without no? How do you have right without wrong? How do you have good without bad? How do you have blessing without cursing? The reality, God created Satan, and Satan chose to fall. When Jesus was sitting at the table, people say, well, God created uh, Judas to fall. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches Judas made a choice. There was a son of perdition. There had to be one. But it was still a choice they made. Jesus said, the one that dips the sop with me, he is the one. We'll stop Peter. We'll stop John. We'll stop one of the other disciples. Well, Judas was just faster. Or was Judas just more receptive? See, Judas was already playing with the devil. The Bible said Judas had given place to the devil many times in his life. 
See, that's why the Bible says, go and send no more to the adulterous woman. He didn't say, go fix it. He didn't say, go and, and, and become celibate. He didn't say, go lock yourself in a room someplace. He just said, take control of your life. I've given you the control. Take it. Well, you know, it's just it's, it's the people I hang around with. Find new friends. Well, it's the place I hang around. Find a new place to hang out. Folks, you can give me, you know, well, it's, it's how I was raised. It, you know, it's the side of the tracks. It, you know, it's, folks, you can put any blame you want to. But you know what? You got to ultimately blame God because that's what Adam and Eve did. See, Adam and Eve didn't have all the all the excuses that we have today to blame something. So Adam said, God, it's your fault. You gave her to me. And Eve said, the devil made me do it. And God ultimately said, no, you made a choice. Yes. So I just want to give like an analogy. Okay. So God, we know, is love. He is love. Probably in a way that we can't even fathom. And he loves us so much. So if you've ever loved somebody who didn't love you back, you know that hurt and you know that pain. But when you love somebody and they love you in return equally, they just love you back, there's nothing more priceless. And so God created us, but he didn't want to force us to love him. Because if he forced us to love him, is that love? So that's the whole point. Um, one other thing I wanted to share is back in the Truth Project, uh, Del Tackett was explaining the creation of the world. And he said, just imagine if it went like this. He goes, so God's there and he's creating the world. And all the angels are in heaven and they're watching and they're like, wow, that's cool. That's really neat. And so God creates man. Satan could have been standing by his side, Lucifer. And he said, so what are they? They're humans. What are they for? They're for me. They're for my glory. He created all of us for his glory. And Satan likely got jealous. Jealousy can make people angry and evil. And why did he get jealous? Because he was ruling over everything in heaven. He says to God, are they for me? God says, no, they're mine. Hell was never meant for man to go to it. So just keep that in mind. All he wants is us to love him freely. Just like we, we have our spouses. There's no better love than to share a love with somebody freely. A relationship. Back and forth. Openly, freely, just loving somebody. And that's what Amen. he wants. Amen. And I have to admit, I'm pretty, I'm pretty nice to love. Amen. <laughs> yeah, her and I. Okay, let me, let me, let me end. We're, we're out of time. I wrote something in here. This is Satan, Satan's greatest tool of this hour. We're all watching the stuff that's happening around the world. And we're saying it's this person's fault. It's that person's fault. The minute you buy into that, you lose. I don't care. The minute you buy into that, you lose. Sin, the Bible says, is the power behind all of this. And all that Satan is doing is shooting as much as he can to get as many as he can. And the minute that you say, well, you know, if it wasn't, if I wasn't this, if I wasn't that, if they weren't this, if they weren't that, if they really, the Bible says, what's the, what's the world going to do? What's the sinner going to do? A sinner's going to sin. 
the minute I start buying into excuse for why I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with and not saying, devil, you're alive and well on planet earth, but greater is he that's in me. And we stand in that. That's only when we win. I tell you, folks, don't get caught up in the stuff. Next week, I was just, that's, just the, that's just oppression. And that is what's sweeping. I see your hand back there, Christian. Hold on. Okay? Take a mic back there for me, would you please, Will? Or, or Heather, thank you. Okay? We're just talk, we just talked about oppression is sweeping the world right now. Oppression is sweeping the world. Next week, I'll talk about obsession, hopefully suppression, and ultimately depression. You know that suicide is higher now than it's ever been in the world. Why? Because people are giving up. And they're giving up because they're not looking up. They're trying to excuse and blame and point the finger Folks, I, I don't care. If you're a Christian, do not. Yes, Christian. Um, I have a question. Okay. So is a fault, can a false prophet be uh, possessed? Can a false prophet be possessed? You they know, probably like, already are possessed. So they are. They, well, they probably, they if they're a false prophet. Well, they know about the Bible, but they just, they're just fake, well, right? Let me can tell you something. You know, what the book of, you know what the book of Galatians says? No. The demons in hell believe, and they tremble. So if they you, can be saved? I'm sorry? So can they be saved? Demons? No, no false prophets. Well, if they repent. Okay, let's say a person comes in here and like, oh, I'm a great singer, and oh, I know the Bible is back and forth, and I'm so holy, um, and they're fake. Um, can they be possessed? Can it be like a witch? <laughs> well, we're in Blackstab. You said there was witches. <laughs> I mean, I could see All kinds of things. One. Yes, Christian. Yes, people can be possessed. If they don't live, if Christ isn't their Savior, if they're not living for him, you know the fruit. Or you know the root by the fruit. Yeah, there's lots of wolves. Okay. Anybody else have a that's That's good. Somebody else? Will's got a question real quick. And then... Uh, uh, if you got kids in the nursery, our nursery people are going to come in here screaming directly, okay? Uh, please go get your child out of the nursery, if you will. You can bring them back in if you'd like. Go ahead, Will. So I know you were talking about obsession as part of what Satan tries. So, for example, for me, my walk with God, I'm diligently, constantly searching the Word of God, just mm -hmm. any way mm -hmm. I can better my life through Christ. Isn't that part of obsession? What if I'm obsessed with being a Christian, in, in, I mean, is that bad? Okay. Uh, no, it's not being a Christian. Being obsessed with being a Christian, that's not really a correct terminology. Okay. But uh, we, can, we can talk about that some, that some next week if you want. Yeah. Josh? Just a comment. Um, we, you know, you, somebody briefed on the, um, uh, the devil tempting Jesus. You know, I just noticed... Uh, it, it, the devil normally, like in my life, he tempts me at my lowest points. And I noticed in uh, Matthew 4 that he had to wait till Jesus was at his lowest points. And it says, and when he had fasted 40 days After and 40, 40 nights. days. Right. And then, you know, if, he, if you, the devil tempts you at your strongest point, 
it's pretty much a losing battle. But he'll wait till you're depressed. He'll wait till your weakest points, and then watch out. That's, That's why I tell you when he gets in. Yeah, if you're in the wrong place, it's always going to be the wrong time. Carlos, good stuff, Josh. I think me and Josh were on the same page here because when Christian asked that question to you uh, about a false prophet, the devil came to Jesus here in Matthew, and and the devil used scripture to try and tempt Jesus. So, in a sense, he was a false yeah. prophet there. Yeah, the devil will always challenge your, your, your faith, okay? You always know the root by the fruit. Wonder. So, this is a very technical question, and okay. I probably should have asked at the very beginning. But um, just for our edification as a congregation, so we are on the same page, would you mind defining the four terms that are the center of this um, sermon, like oppression, depression, obsession? Oh, How, are you just using define the them real simply? Yes. Are yeah, you, I, you just using the dictionary definition, or is no. there a contextual definition? This is a biblical. This is biblical uh, definition and going through the word. Okay, oppression is basically, and I, what I did is I just went through the the uh, the terminologies, and I found scripture basis in the Word of God. And so when you look at it, the word oppression is a harsh domination. You basically, you got this weight on you, and you're trying to, to break loose. You're trying to get out. You're trying to do this. You know, what the heck's going on, okay? And you're looking everywhere. Once again, back to this excuse. You're trying to blame everything, but God, what's this have to do with me, okay? So that's, that's oppression. Obsession is you're preoccupied. It consumes you day and night, Okay? What he's talking about, an obsession to be a better Christian is really not a valid terminology. The Bible promotes us to be a better Christian, okay? So it's a pre, uh, an obsession. You know, it could be a little bit of an idolatry scenario, but the reality, when you're obsessed with something, I mean, it's just pre, I, I shared the story a couple of weeks ago about a, a worship leader that I had in our church in, in California. He was obsessed with learning about all the cults. Well, you know, I don't know that it had any root in it, but just, just I don't know, 10 years ago, he committed suicide. Folks, you don't need to study all the cults. I'm not interested in the Antichrist. Well, who is he? Don't care. I'm interested in Jesus Christ. That's where I focus my life, okay? But you can be obsessed with everything else that you, you, you know, you, you basically be so, so, Minded that you, you can't do anything, okay? Suppression is basically a forceful pre prevent, prevention, okay? To where you're trying to get through something and you're trying to, to break through a situation and there's such a wall that you just can't get through it, okay? Even in that, you ask God, why can't I get through this, okay? This goes into the place where Jesus told us, some only come out by prayer and fasting. This is, why, this is why your pastor fasts on a regular basis. Short fast, long fast. Because there's things I'm trying to, to break through. There's things I'm trying to understand. So that's what a suppression is. It's a forceful prevention. I just can't. And then depression. All of these, if not taken over and taken control of, can lead you into a 
depression where you just basically say, what's the use? What's the use? Why even try? I can't live for God. I can't do this. I can't do this. The minute you turn it into can't, you lose. Because my Bible never says can't. It says I can do all things. How? Through my goodness? Through my ability? No, through Christ. Okay? The minute I try to do it without Christ, or I don't keep Christ the focus, that's why I tell you, I don't care what you're involved in, your job, your, your school, your, your uh, vocation, your relationships, the minute you don't make Christ the center, you eventually lose. Did that answer the question? Basically, just the four breakdown. We did this last week, but just to recap it, okay? Any other questions before we let everybody go? Was this good tonight? Was this informational, everybody? Okay. Tell folks to come next week. Who had their hand up over here? Somebody? Nothing? No, there's no dumb questions, Michael. Josh? You mentioned perfect. I know Jesus was the only perfect, but how, how I've tried to explain to myself and ask the Lord in Job and in Noah. In Noah's generation, he was perfect. In Job, he was perfect in his time. I'm not sure. Maybe that, maybe that perfect is a different definition. It's like we are good. You're a good person. Well, in God's terminology, good means perfect. God was good. He created all things good. We think good is below perfect. Well, in God's, the biblical term good means perfect. So does that terminology in, in Job and Noah when he was perfect in his generation, does that just mean he was? Actually, let me, let me, let me correct that. Good doesn't mean perfect. Perfection in the word of God is, a, is an aspect of maturity. It's an aspect of growth. And the only way you mature is you apply. Okay? A lot of people grow old, but they don't grow up. Okay? Same thing in Christians. I know a lot of baby Christians that have been Christians their whole lives. You know, I've, I've had people in this church tell me, and it's, I think it's one of the greatest compliments of, that I ever get. If Pastor, I've grown more in six months in this church than I have in my entire Christian life. And, folks, I have no objective but to, but to grow you. That's why I used, to, I used to say this all the time until Pastor Philmon, Pastor Ray, and, and Pastor Jewel said, you've got to stop saying that. In our church, you grow or you go. It, it, because you can't grow without being challenged. You can't grow without being challenged. And so, uh, so grow, grow is, uh, our maturity is more of the definition of perfection. Here's the picture of, of why, why Noah was considered perfect, Okay. Noah was not a very good man. When you read about Noah, he was a pretty messed up dude. But he was, when it's talking about perfect, we're talking, most scholars believe they're talking about an untainted bloodline. Okay, same thing with Job. Job did not confer himself with the rest of the world. Now, don't know. Don't know, folks. I'm not there. When we get to heaven, we can ask God. But uh, in it all. Okay, yes, Romans, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, you know, yeah, 12, 12, 1 and 2. It says, uh, yeah, my, my brethren, I beseech you, verse 1, by the mercies of God, I beg of you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy. That word holy does not mean pure. It does not mean perfect. That word holy means set apart. Okay? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. What's acceptable unto God? I'm not playing. I don't have one foot in the world and one foot in God. A lot of it, well, you know, pastor, uh, you don't have to understand I'm involved in this, that, or the other thing. Why are you involved in this, that, or the other thing? The Bible says, come out. Be separate. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. It's the least you could do compared to what he's done. To live a separated life. And then it says, goes on there in the second verse, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that perfect and acceptable or that that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's will. Okay. So anyway, other questions real quick. We've gone way over time. But folks, I'll stay here all night. I love talking about the word of God. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word, your grace, your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed, be filled, be gone.